Hello, everybody. I'm, I'm Paul. Um, I, didn't, I thought I was going to get away with that because Sharon has done. Where are you? Where are you? Still in there. Where are you? She, she ran off because she's done her preach. Oh, yeah, you're, there you are. On the back row. Yeah. Um, I must admit, um, that it, it's, it's great to hear. Those kind of testimonies, any testimonies are powerful, but those kind of testimonies are, are superb because um, that are, in Scripture, there are some promises that God made and, and, and you kind of in the most unlikely of situations where you think all is lost and God comes through. I mean, Abraham and Sarah is an obvious example. But Paul, for instance, he was promised that he would preach uh, before kings and princes and he's on the boat going out to Crete, they get shipwrecked. And he says to everybody, if you're going to survive, stick with me. And because he had the confidence to know that he had words at that time that were not fulfilled over his life. And so he was able to say, you know, I'm going to survive this, so come and stick with me, and um, you'll get through this. If you don't, you won't. And I think just hearing the reality of that kind of thing in people's everyday lives is fantastic. So thank you so much, Sharon, for bringing that. That's awesome. Right. Um, so I've been um, asked, I was asked to preach today on, well, uh, there was a few possible titles for this. Um, are you okay? Is that me? You need me to move it a bit? Down a bit? Okay. See, love technology. I used to be in charge of this. Dan's having a much. better? Awesome. Hey. Hey, we have the technology. Thank you. Right. Um, yes. So I was asked to, uh, so it's going to be um, love is all you need or God's love is all you need. Um, and I'm going to be asking that as a bit of a question. I was going to be putting um, the, you know, the intro to love actually up. You know, love actually is everywhere. But um, uh, unfortunately, due to copyright and YouTube issues, we were worried that we might have um, a blank feed for the rest of the session, so, so I can only tell you about that. So instead, I asked the question, which is um, up in the first slide, you go, I couldn't resist a bit of a Star Wars quote. Um, all you need is love, love is all you need. But I'm going to put a bit of a question mark after that, because is it? Is it all you need? Now, let's, let's just... Um, talk about what we mean by love for, for a start. Because there are, in the Greek, there are lots of different words for love. Um, but there are four that are really picked up in Scripture as being um, attributes of how God is towards us and attributes of what God would like to express for us. Two of them are explicitly named in, in the Greek. And uh, two of them are, are hinted at in terms of concepts, and we'll have a look at that. Although one of them is a compound Greek word, the storge one, the first one, is a, is a compound Greek word, which, is, in other words, it sits against another Greek word in Scripture. But um, um, they're all expressions of what love is. So just going through them, we have, in the order that's on that slide, so we've got storge, uh, which is the love of a family. So um, this is probably the one that 
uh, is least familiar to people. Then we have filio, which is um, the love of friendship, love of the brothers and stuff like that. So when you hear um, talk about brotherly love in terms of, you know, you, you add your faith and self-control, etc., from brotherly, brotherly love, that's Philadelphia love or filial love. Um, and then eros, which often we think of as being something to do with sex. It's actually about intimacy. It's the love of intimacy. So, of course, the whole sex thing comes as part of that. And then agape, which, if you're not familiar with, is something that is often talked about in churches. Um, it's often expressed as love of God. It's more correctly expressed as the love of it's sacrificial love. So it's something that costs you. And what Jesus did on the cross, uh, what God does for us every day is the, is the perfect expression of that. Yeah? That makes sense. Which is why we often talk about agape love, because God is the only one who ever shows it to us in a, in, in a complete and perfect way. So let's work through these. So um, the, we talked about love, first of all, the love of family. Do we need... The love of a family. So Ephesians 1 verse 5, God destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will. Jesus, well, God um, calls us his children. That's what scripture tells us. 1 John 3, 1 talks about that. Um, this kind of family thing, the love of a family, it's the love of belonging. It's the love um, a sense of, you know, that we've got somewhere where we can call home. Um, and it's also a love that lifts the spirit. How many people need something that lifts the spirit? It can be expressed just by somebody saying good morning to you. You know, we, I remember in the 2012 Olympics, there was a lot of noise going on around in the tube. People actually talked to one another, you know, and smiled at one another and stopped just you know, in their books or in their iPads or whatever. Um, it, and sometimes a smile is all you need, isn't it? Just to lift your spirit, somebody to, to have a, a kind of a nice, bouncy approach to you. And, uh, you know, maybe that isn't, sometimes that puts you off. But you understand what I mean, that in the midst of our life, just a smile can be the light that we, we need. And we need that upliftingness. We need that sense of belonging. So we certainly need this kind of love. Do you agree? Yep. So this is the one which, although the word storge isn't actually used in itself, it is part of a compound word which talks about um, the, the love of family. I'm not going to break it down in the Greek any further than that. Second one was philia love, Philadelphia love. You'll sometimes hear it mentioned because that's the, the uh, conjunctive which is used in, um, you know, what I was talking about, brotherly love, you had yourself, brother love, faith, etc. Um, Proverbs 18, verse 24. A man of many companions may be ruined, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And this is most commonly interpreted under, the, you know, under our New Covenant understanding that this is talking about Jesus. So Jesus is like a friend who is closer than a brother. Um, many of us grew up uh, with, with varying different relationships with, with uh, their siblings. My sibling was 12 years older than me, and he still is, actually, for that matter. <laughs> um, just thought the maths would kick in, just so. Um, but, you know, and we, we weren't as close as some are, but, you know, there, was, um, there are uh, siblings which are very close, 
and still look to each other for support. And there is this uh, sense in, in uh, friendship and brotherhood. We talk about Band of Brothers, which I'm looking towards Ted at the moment when I say that, but the Band of Brothers, the whole thing about uh, being strong, sharpening each other up. Um, we need that. We need that friendship. I, had a, um, I have, I'm going to look at lots in the past tense, but it should be present tense. I have a friend called Kate who I was at university with. Um, and I remember she had this really lovely relationship with God in terms of that kind of friendship bit. I remember one autumn, there were all these piles of leaves um, everywhere, you know, that had been swept up and whatever. And she'd gone out and she, um, for a walk, and she came back. She said, yeah, yeah, I went for a walk. I was kicking leaves with God. And there's this whole thing about her kicking leaves, and the wind would kind of, you know, blow them up. And I loved that. And that was, her, that was really her sense of, of her friendship with God, which, which, was, which um, I remember clearly to this day. And God calls us his friend. So if you're John 15, 15. Eros. Um, and so um, eros, again, is not a word which is ex used explicitly in the Bible. It has sometimes negative connotations for us for a start. Lots of people think of eros. Sometimes they immediately think of what we think of lust. Of course, just to be clear, the difference between love and lust. Lust is where you want something out of the other person, whereas love is you want to bless the other person. Yeah? That makes sense. Um, and eros love is, as I say, not specifically about sex, although that is part of it. It is about intimacy and intimate relationship with God. So Song of Solomon expresses this in terms of its concept. Uh, and I love this, this particular passage. It's one of my favorite passages um, in, well, in Scripture, really. It says, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me, or come away with me, some translations say. See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone, flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come away with me. I love that, that concept of God just wooing you in. We're taught as, uh, as being part of the bride, the bride of Christ. And there's a lot of language in Scripture which is, has that very much that intimacy about it. You know, that the, the Jesus is looking at his bride, that he wants us to... to um, abide in him and him with us. He even talks about it in the Old Testament. You talk about idolatry uh, as being as being spiritual adultery. And you think about the word adultery. There's only one context that adultery is used in, which is this intimate relationship with somebody that isn't your spouse. And so um, there's a very clear language about the intimacy that God wants us to have. There's even this concept of you know, the oneness and the unity of the Godhead reflecting that sense of intimacy that he wants us to share with him and with, and, uh, with our wives uh, if we get married. You know, that, that, that comes through very clearly. Um, so, if you want to read about Bride of Christ, it's, it's mentioned many times in Revelation, but go to Revelation 19 if you want a good, a good slot for that. And finally, the, the, bit of, uh, the fourth one that we hear very clearly and is used most commonly in Scripture is agape love. So, um, uh, most clearly expressed in that very well-known piece of Scripture, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
we need that, don't we? <laughs> um, we would not be here if it wasn't for that. We would not be in a place where we could um, have that intimacy with God if it wasn't for that. We could not be a people who could enjoy the love and the grace and the mercy of God if it wasn't for the cross. Andy started it right at the beginning of this meeting. That the cross is the center and the source of all this. It has made a way. And because we can now go into the Holy of Holies, we can enjoy that intimate relationship with God and kneel before him and just enjoy his presence. I do keep joking, if you know the layout of the church, you've got the offices at the back and, and Christian Andy's office is in there. You have to go in. So if you go into the office, you're going to the holy place. And if you go into their office, you're in the holy of holies. But, um, well, you know. So I think some people are going, yeah, it's true. No, it's not, it's not. 1 John 4, 18 um, says, there's not a slide on this, but it says, perfect love drives out fear. Agape love, sacrificial love that God gives us is powerful. It's something that releases us. It's something that sets us um, in a, on a path that enables us to walk free of all the stuff that the world would put on us. The, the, the sense of what happened on the cross is complete. And when, when Jesus said, it is finished, there is a completeness about everything that he brought in terms of our personal lives as we put our faith in him. We no longer carry around these burdens of guilt and, and the like that we have. So we need that. So, is God's love all we need? That's my question. Well, I would argue, and hopefully it's not bordering on heresy this, <laughs> but it isn't, it isn't. We, that there, we need more than just the love of God. When Adam was created and he was in the Garden of Eden, he had the relationship with God without any of those barriers. He had already that, uh, before the fall, he had that sense of uh, being able to be communing, communing with God. And yet God said himself, it is not good for man to be alone. So even God himself, right at the beginning, said, you know, my love for you is unbounded, but it's still not good for you to be on your own. We need to have a family of God around us. The body of Christ is there. to It's essential part of lifting each other up in our faith, helping us to move forward in, um, you know, and, and um, you know, when we're feeling down, to really boost us when our faith levels might be low, to get alongside us and pray for us. Have some wonderful connect groups here. Uh, our, our connect groups, just, you know, they, they uplift us if you're part of that. There's a real sense of, of belonging there. And one of the, it's interesting, one of the things that often happens when we struggle in our faith walk is we will pull back from family. It's, it's, I, know, I know I feel it myself that sometimes when I'm not in a good place, sometimes coming into the house of God is the last place I want to be. Some of that may be my introvert tendencies, but I know that some of that is because actually that I should be doing exactly the opposite. I know that um, often when people are ill, 
um, they will, you know, stay at home from church. I do that sometimes, and and I totally understand that. If people are ill, I don't want to, you know, I'm the first person to say, re relax, recover. For my staff at work, I would be telling them, go home, you know, make sure you cover properly and come back in. But there is a sense in all of that. So I'm, I say this very carefully, but there is a sense in all of that that the house of God is the place to find healing. Amen? So often, if you're feeling ill, this is actually the best place to be. So as I say, I'm putting a little careful underline under that, a little, a little get-out clause, because you know, sometimes I don't want to be lacking grace to anybody that's ill and not able to come into church. That's not what I'm doing. But I am saying that if you are able to come in, it's a great place to be, because you can be alongside people who can lift you up and can pray for you. Uh, John 13, 34 uh, says, A new commandment I give to you, that you have one another, as I, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus himself gave us, with, gave us, as he got to the end of his time on earth, he gave us this mandate. Say, family, look after each other. Love each other as I have loved you. So I would argue that God's love is not all we need. We need the love of our God family as well. So is that all we need? Well, I would, I would suggest that there is something in addition to all of that that we need, and it's a word that strikes fear into the heart of anyone who's single and thinking about getting married in their, in their 20s, and that's the word commitment. We always used to joke, joke at uh, university, the C word, you know. But the root of every lasting relationship, every successful relationship, is commitment to one another. Because... There will be a time in any relationship, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll focus on, for instance, the marriage as the, as the uh, concept, but in any relationship, it doesn't have to be that uh, marriage relationship, um, that, um, you know, there is a honeymoon period, you know? There's that time when all the hormones are going and the chemistry is kicking off and there's all this kind of stuff. And at some point, you are going to wake up f five, ten years into marriage or whatever, and you're going to not be on the best, your brain is not going to be on the best behavior. It's going to be feeling, you're going to be feeling like you've woken up, I don't know, feeling grumpy or whatever. And you're going to look over your bed to your partner and you're going to think and feel that actually the person that you married, you don't quite have that strength of feeling anymore. Now before those of you who know my wife tell me off for saying that um, I should always feel like it's my problem, all right, I'm just saying that um, sometimes I'm a bit weird in the head. You know, I, my wife, my wife is lovely, and when I when I when I realise how lovely she is after going through these things, I think, oh, you're a stupid idiot, aren't you, Tucker? Um, but it's the reality of life that, you know, you have to work through these things. Where things are really difficult, you have to work through these things because when you come out the other end, it's a cliche, but things are stronger, things are better. I I remember talking to one of the senior pastors down at Southampton, my church that I was like, that I take him to, if I can use that phrase, um, and it's a church of 2,000 people, and he said to me, can you name to me those people that you think have got the strongest marriages in this church? And I said, yeah, this person, these people, these people. And he said, well, all of those people that you have mentioned are in that place because I personally know they've had blood and tears and sweat through in the marriage. They've been in really difficult positions. But they are strong 
because of the commitment. Is God committed to us in, our love, in his love for us? Um, you, it says in Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Um, more famously in Romans 8, we'll put this up. I don't know if you can read this next one. It's uh, from the back, I couldn't. Romans 8, but you'll know this anyway. So, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? We have an absolute, absolute commitment from God. Now, you'll notice that the trees have turned up again. I did bring it back. Last week I took this one, because this is the tree of life, everybody. All right? We have it. It's like some places in Ethiopia that claim to have the Ark of the Covenant. We have it. It's here, the tree of life. <laughs> you know. We'll be at Cheltenham um, front page. Um, um, the covenants. Christian talked about this last week, about the, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it was framed for very much about this concept of this is about our relationship with God and allowing God to define what is right and wrong rather than this one, which is kind of basically legalism, which is us coming up with what we think is right and wrong and letting us define what's right and wrong. But Scripture puts... If you follow through the things about these two trees through Scripture, there's a whole load of parallels. So you've got, you know, the flesh over here and, and the spirit over here. <laughs> the flesh, this is, this is the spirit, yeah. So um, you've got those. Yes. Thank you. This is just to remind you of, of what a silly chump I can be from time to time. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I did bring it back, as I said. Um, you can have it. Um, you know, and it, it, we have this choice um, all the way through um, Scripture of, you know, having, I don't know, you can rest in God, which is over here, or you can strive for things which are over here. But one of the things that comes very clearly out is the covenant. God gives us this covenant, this committed love that he promises us, and we've just read about that. And this represents the new covenant, grace, and this is the old covenant, law. Um, and what's wonderful is, even if you look back into the lives of like David and people who were under normally the old covenant, they understood, Abraham, brilliant example, understood that this covenant actually existed right from the beginning of time, because God said that we were, we, he created us so that if we put faith in him, we could have life and life in abundance. And um, what happens is that we kind of think that Jesus died on the cross in you know, the year 2000, but that was in 2000. <laughs> that in 2000 years ago, or 2000, however many years ago, that, that the new covenant only started then, but it didn't. That's why it, you can read in Hebrews about all these people who were under the old covenant who, uh, it says, for instance, with Abraham, that his faith was credited to him as righteousness. And it talks about how all these people put their trust in this everlasting um, covenant that God had placed on his people. So they knew at some point God would find a way, it says, that there was faith that at some point God would find a way. They didn't know what it was. And, of course, we now know that Jesus is the one who brought that final fulfillment, but they were able to live under the goodness of the promises of grace 
and love. And we are all that more today because we have seen the fulfillment of that here through the cross. So, this grace, this new covenant, allows us to experience all that love. We talked about it at the cross. We can have, yes, all you need is love. Chocolate does help. Um, I put that up. I'm, my apologies to Andy Brown because um, um, he's allergic to this stuff, aren't you? So um, he, he doesn't need chocolate. But um, yeah, um, I thought I'd finish with that. But, but all this love is we can access because of the cross, because of this covenant. We can access family. We can access friendship. We can access intimacy with God. And we can access his sacrificial love that frees us for a life of abundance. Amen? God is the ultimate father, friend, lover, and the only saviour. Um, in closing, I'm very conscious that I've talked about issues here about family, and I know that people have had bad experiences in their family. Perhaps you've had abusive parents. Uh, the idea of a father figure isn't great. Perhaps sometimes you're the family itself unit hasn't worked. It's been dysfunctional. Friendships. We've all had friendships where people have let us down. Um, intimacy, a massive um, issue in terms of breaking down people's confidence about themselves and their own, own um, uh, sense of worth and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's important to recognize that some of this stuff is a challenge because of our background and the baggage we have. If you have got any of those things which really kind of you feel impact your life, I'd love to pray for you or the, the, the prayer team here. You don't need to share what that is if you don't feel comfortable. We just, we just think it's good to pray for you, you know. So please come for pray. Um, and we'll pray specifically to see release from that. Um, it's no secret that my, my wife um, went through a court case with me because her father... Her stepfather abused her when she was young. So I have first-hand experience of what that can do to a concept of what a father is and the concept of a home and the concept of just what it means to be protected. So um, I'd love to pray for people if they feel that way. Um, but in closing, so feel free to come to the front. But in front um, Andy, if you want to come back up with the guys, um, with the guys and Becky. Um, I just want to pray for us as a church because we are the family of God. Yeah? Okay. Can we stand? Yeah, that'd be good. It'd be good if we stood. Lord, Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, you are constant. Um, but I thank you that you have, your love is unconditional, as we've said. It is powerful. It changes us. And it takes us to new places with you. But Lord, I want to thank you now at this, this place when we're surrounded by the family of God. I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here. Um, Lord, that you would help us to support each other where we can. Lord, we know that there are, there are many things that go on in the lives of so many people. And we know that you, God, are the only one who knows intimately what's happening with everybody here. But Lord, I pray that you will help us find a way as a family to support each other. 
that we would be able to get alongside each other to lift people up that are struggling and help them find you and find your strength to get back into a better place. Lord, where we are in a good place, we thank you and we praise you, Lord. But we want to praise you in the difficult times as well as in the good times. So, Lord, uh, it sounds, again, a bit of a cliche, but bind us together, Lord. Lord, please just um, do what only you can do. Where there are relationships which are, um, you know, fractious or not quite there, I pray that you will break in and you will help bring people together so that we would be known, as Jesus said, by the fact that we love each other uh, like you loved us. And that's a big ask. But, Lord, that is what you've asked us to do. So, Lord, we place our family into your hand and we ask that you take us forward together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.